Welcome, listeners, to the 34th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Perrins. With me, as always, are my wonderful co-hosts, the powerful wizards Robinson Sien and Christopher Wikström. The very best of welcome to you, dear listeners. Hello, hi, how do you do? Hello, everybody. I hope you're doing well. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found every week on the Top Tech Tab. In today's episode, we will discuss the paper play of the past week, but a bit shorter, as we, after that, will delve into discussion on what decks we want to play following the ban and restricted announcements of today. And today, that gives away we're recording this on Tuesday, the 25th in the evening. So first, some paper play. Due to COVID, none of us had the opportunity to actually play some sort of in-person paper. But we had some Discord play happening this week again. What went down, Robin? Yeah, I've been a little bit um, under the weather this week. So I didn't go to the local game store. Didn't really feel up to uh, playing in person. So played a few games on the Discord with the webcam. And uh, mostly trying out uh, lands against CloudPost nonetheless and yeah i've been uh, switching forth and back with that list trying to find a reasonable build and uh, like the latest uh, tech is sort of adding uh, elvish reclaimers to the list and get a little bit of uh, mana acceleration with flagstones of trocare uh, which is like a playstyle that's been supported in the lance discord server so that's what i've been brewing with i guess we will get into uh, sort of uh, how, how we change the decks list and all of that when it comes to the ban restricted uh, announcement but I- i'm really feeling that uh, this list has something it's a little bit in between land and green white depths and i i really like the the play style of that deck so it will be interesting to see where it goes i will leave the more play-by-play to christopher who maybe have a better memory of what, what actually went down <laughs> oh the pressure <laughs> but yeah we played some some really interesting games and it was my premiere time of playing uh, mono green post so that was super interesting. I have played the, the colorless version quite a bit, but the green version is, you know, super solid. It uh, it plays Elvish Reclaimer, which is just a great card in in general, especially in, in a big mana deck like uh, the mono green deck. But I, I definitely enjoy the, like, I, I thought that it was going to be not so many decisions each turn, but then... I, I slowly realized that between reclaimers, expedition maps, uh, crop rotations and stuff like that, like how you build towards really big mana and like when when you need double green and when you don't is uh, not as straightforward as I as I first thought. But uh, yeah, it was it was definitely some really interesting games and uh, you know, having your premiere play uh, as a post uh, player as uh, like versus uh, a land deck was super good like practice because you really have to think about when and where do I piffing needle uh, when is it safe to go for what place because you also have to watch out for you know merit lage and uh, you know it's it's one of those matchups where like the, the advantage of post a lot of times is just if no one's doing anything super powerful. The post deck is just going to run the opponent over. But the land deck can really like hinder your development, which really invalidates that plan. And so it was it was super interesting. And, you know, I think 
uh, we had we had really tight games like all through. There were, I, I'm just gonna say one really sweet play that I did against Rob in one game. Uh, he's he's smiling now. You can't see it since it's uh, it's audio, but I think it was the last or the second last game that we played on the evening, and he had a, a misty rainforest and an Ursa Sa gameplay, and I decided to go piffing needle, and he lets it resolve, and I put it on on his misty so he couldn't fetch. And it eventually ended up with him not even being able to make constructs with the saga, which was great. And then when you finally cracked the the saga, you got a mox diamond. And then you played another one from hand and proceeded to play loam. And I looked at my hand, which, you know, everything had just lined up beautifully. So I'm looking at my endurance, force of vigor and two green cards in hand. And I just proceed to... Force of Vigor, both of his Mox Diamonds, and then Endurance, his graveyard. So he's sitting there with like a piffing needled uh, Misty in play. And I'm sitting on the other side, you know, Hellbent as well. But, you know, I, I think I had a, a Reclaimer or something in place. So it was really nice. Yeah, I mean, Piffing Needle is a hell of a card. I must say that when you think about this matchup from the land's perspective you obviously think that it's it's a land it's a it's a match that only comes down to waste landing and and so forth but like the pissing needles really changes that dynamic i think because in many of the games the wastelands were cut off i think in one game i tried to like ghost quarter you out of the game but if you don't have loam and exploration that's a losing proposition because you get the you have like five basics or something like that uh, six you get the land drop every turn and i just waste waste one of my own resources every turn and uh, so like i think that uh, that matchup is much more dynamic and than what it looks like and i think that like the the early merit lage is is one of the best plays to to actually go for another thing as well with that matchup from the lands perspective you have a very good position to just roll with those very quick starts that you can have sometimes you go sort of exploration exploration mocks some land uh, do something loan back stuff because the post deck sort of just sits there and then sort of okay i'm gonna play a tapped land on my turn you go and you'd be like oh i have two constructs and one of them attacks for six and then you sort of you can get that as well you can sort of really just run over the post player in the first couple of turns if you have one of those hands because there's really nothing you can do outside of placing a really good pithing needle but then again if you have that sort of steamrolling start you can just go for another another direction uh, with the land stack uh, and uh, usually i find myself in a position where sort of there isn't much i can do but i really agree with you christopher as well like at first you think well i mean this deck is sort of pretty obvious and straightforward you do what you do you're going to get big dudes into play and you have to ramp up to get there but sort of the way to get there uh, which uh, which track of the lost mind of fandel where you're going to go to to get to the get to the end i have a similar experience by playing uh, dark depth combo against lands i mean that is also a matchup that is like on paper is really hard for the depths because i mean they have wastelands they have crackers they have multiple ways of finding those cards but i mean you have pithing needle <laughs> and that's a really strong card against the lands deck and uh, post board you go up to four and i think you had like four in the post deck as well something like that yeah, in the main. So, so like uh, those matchups become really interesting, and uh, I think that you were much better at finding your uh, force of vigors than I was, 
because I did I didn't blow up a lot of pithing needles, which was my like best game plan, I think. Yeah, and it was super funny because I I only own two copies, so my <laughs> my flex slots for that was just two crows and grip, which I didn't mm, board in, mm. <laughs> which is like questionable, but. You know, it's it's definitely, you know, if the lands player gets that uh, either blast zone into play, like you did one game, which was brutal. I think you destroyed two Piffing Needle and a Reclaimer. That was nice. Uh, all at once. Yeah, that was nasty. And it was one of those cards where, you know, I was sitting there feeling pretty good about my situation. And then you just, you didn't even, I, I don't even think you loamed it. I think you just played it from hand. And I was like, oh man, couldn't play around it. But then again, how do you play around it? Like when you put it on one and if a needle isn't on it, it's too late. Yeah, not much to do about it. I love that card. That that card is so good in lands. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I remember like you I mentioned in an earlier episode, like it's one of those cards that in the beginning was extremely nice for lands when you really needed to get a vial out of there early. But one thing that was really tricky with your list was the white splash, and I don't, f- I'm not sure if you ran prismatic endings, maybe some copy, but getting your primeval titan swords to plowshared really sucked because I was thinking like, yeah, I'm gonna stick this threat, and like you can ramp all you want, but it's not gonna be enough. But then you just swords to plowshared it after I got my two cloud posts, and it, uh, yeah. That's that's not what how I how I drew it up in my head. And one thing uh, that was interesting was it was sort of a reclaimer mirror. Also, I think that the one who got to stick with a reclaimer had a huge advantage because you can all both like tutor up the the good lands and also protect your lands from from wasteland or from from different effects. So that was really interesting, and the plows were really really good against your reclaimers as well. So uh, that was pretty much our paper play. The the meat of this episode is going to be regarding uh, this announcement. And uh, perhaps uh, Victor would like to share with us what's, what's all this about. Yeah, let's talk a bit about what everyone else are talking about today already. I mean, on this podcast, we usually avoid discussions on what should be banned, what should not, because we sort of like to focus on what we played and so on but now that we've actually had an actual announcement we of course need to bring this to the table and talk about it as well so the announcement was Ragavan Nimble Pilferer is banned in Legacy Uh, among other things in the sort of motivation for this banning they wizards mentioned that uh, the deck or Blue Red Delver has a 56% win rate in Magic Online leagues which I think is just absolutely stupid um and they also said and i think this is important and i'm going to quote here we'll be keeping an eye on how the legacy format continues to evolve in the coming weeks and we are willing to make further adjustments soon if needed however we feel this is a large change and would like to see how the metagame adapts before considering if other changes are necessary end of quote so first of all what do we think about all this i like the ban um for the Ragavan Ragavan ban, and I also like like this uh, methodolo- methodology. What is it called? Meth- 
methodology of uh, of like banning one card and then seeing how it ha what happens and then banning another card instead of like axing three four cards at once. I think that's a little bit too rash. I like the the way they are doing it, and I like uh, that they banned Ragavan. I had a little bit of hope for that maybe prismatic ending could also go away as sort of uh, a balancing act to not give the control decks too much power. Because uh, I think that as in the same way that Ragavan was maybe hindering some of the cards to being playable, so is prismatic ending uh, at this point. But uh, I'm, I'm totally fine with just Ragavan being banned, and I think it's going to open up the meta a little bit. Yeah, I, I completely agree. My, my predictions were either just Ragavan or like five cards, and I definitely prefer this, um, because what, what they have committed to with the upcoming week's statement that they'll keep an eye out for how the how the format shakes out it feels like they are going to commit and see if any meaningful changes to the metagame uh, actually happen so like in my opinion one of the things that made blue red delver extremely powerful was the potential swingy card from turn one which in my opinion neither delver or like Dragon Raid Chandler is even close to creating in the same way. And a lot of cards that really benefit from that is, first of all, Merktide Regent, because you're spending resources of trying to deal with this monkey early before it snowballs even further. So maybe it eats up swords to plowshares or something, which later on might might have been extremely good to have against their 8-8. But also it enables... Uh, the Delver player to sit with extra mana up on crucial turns. It allows them to play iteration quicker and more frequently, which just makes the machinery go extremely quicker. And that's that's really why I think, you know, removing this one card that a lot of people has talked about, you know, being extremely unhappy about, you know, Ragavan mirrors is not the most fun to play all the time. And uh, I think it's a, I think it's a slam dunk. And like personally, playing against the card is not. It, it it also has like some bad user experience to it uh, when they get to steal cards. It's not not the most fun mechanic that we've seen in Legacy. And just removing that as well, I don't know. It's like this integrity thing. Uh, I really enjoy it. So, uh, Victor, what do you think? I mean, I agree with. What both of you said, and I also think that I mean, if you are to ban one card from Blue Red Delver that sees such an extremely high or has seen such an extremely high win percentage rate recently, I think Ragavan is the obvious first choice. Of course, a lot of people have been talking about days, and it's a big been sort of a big watershed <laughs> amongst people who care about this discussion. That some people really think that banning days would be a great thing, others would say that banning days would be sort of destroying the soul of legacy. And I think just that divide makes the card unbannable because you would have such a large portion of the community being upset with your decision, whereas banning Ragavan Nimble Pilferer, no one is going to really sort of have strong, honest objections about that. I mean, you might object because you, you like to play the deck and you like winning, or you perhaps actually bought this card in paper, or worse still, an MTGO, uh, and sort of sunk a lot of cash into that. And if you care about 
sort of that you might be a bit upset but then again you shouldn't have purchased this car in the first place because it's been a volatile place in the market because of its power ever since it was essentially made a staple in the format which is quite some time ago now i think this is good i think this uh, opens up uh, for as someone said like I can finally play Thoughtseize again without having to fear to run into any number of Ragavans per day that I play my Legacy deck. And I think that's important because a lot of the nice, fun cards that people like to play in a great variety of decks you know, have very low mana cost and are hence very susceptible to being pilfered. And I think that alone is likely to create a launcher player enjoyment rate and that in itself i think is something that is worth considering when doing such a ban as this one and uh, just to go back a bit uh, the whole days discussion a lot of people have been you know talking about how cards from delver uh, gets the ban hammer a lot and it's it's due to days and this is really one of those super polarized cards because we have seen a lot of bans we have seen a Defrag Shaman ban, a Renin 6 ban, now the Monkey ban, we've seen an Arcanist ban, and they're all like super efficient, low to the ground day stacks most of the time. Uh, Oko <laughs> at the end also. But what I think is really interesting and um, why I I am a strong you know uh, supporter of having days in the format, it's not only like uh, the format identity at stake but if they're gonna keep on printing fire cards a lot of people tend to like the people who are against days in the format a lot of the reasoning that i've seen and heard is yeah but maybe it's easier to just ban days than one to three like delver cards each year but the problem is that the fire design like the fire design sweet spot is at three mana and in Legacy, I do think that Days plays an important role in that as well, um, because it's not just a jam format. It's not this mid-range hell. Uh, maybe just Stockholm is that. But when you're looking at the, the format at whole, I do think that Days keeps it honest by being an extremely unfair card, because it's it's not just ram your best... Like, who? what deck plays the accidentally best free drops in in the matchup it uh, it does something really interesting there and it prohibits just the jamming wars and also you know playing around days is is this thing that everyone's talking about like ah should have played around days i rather have that i rather get my my teferi or leovold or whatever dazed than Days not being in the format and we're just throwing like fire design cards, mana value one to four at each other until one player loses. So I do think that Days does something extremely nice there. Robin, what uh, changes are you looking to make in the decks you currently play or are actually going to try something new now that we have perhaps a more open format looking ahead? 
Alright, I have two things that come directly to mind then. And one thing you were already mentioning before that uh, Thoughtseize is much more playable now. I mean, Thoughtseize got a hit from Veil of Summer. But honestly, nobody plays Veil of Summer anymore. I think that Thoughtseize has been really suppressed by the monkey. Especially in a combo deck where you're using Thoughtseize to protect your combo. It's so devastating when you get that Thoughtseize used against you instead. At the time when Modern Horizons 2 were released, I was playing a lot of Turbo Depths, Rainbow Depths. I, I got to, to feel the, the power of the of the little pilferer when he was stealing Thorsises, he was stealing Pithing Needles, he was stealing Crop Rotations, Reclaimers. I mean, that deck just loses to Ragavan. Like, full stop. It has no chance against that card. And it, has, it runs no removal. So it's like... Uh, Eight discard spells and and all of the like the the cards that are putting you through the combo can be used against you. So it's uh, it's really terrifying to to face a ragavan with that deck. So that deck it has been sleeved all the time, and it's ready to come back into into the meta game. I think it's a very strong, very resilient deck, and it just throws the merit lage in your face very fast. So that, I'm really looking forward to playing that deck a lot of again a lot again. And uh, the second thing that I'm thinking about is that I'm always thriving in this sort of metagame that happens after a ban when like decks lists are, are in flux and there's a, a possibility to do something something weird. And uh, I mean, uh, when the top was banned, I, I immediately started playing uh, blue-white control, for instance. I had uh, some of my like best results when it comes to legacy with decks, Delver decks, that just been banned. So I <laughs> I played, for instance, in the top eight of uh, the Legacy Finals, I played a Grixis Delver after the, the Probe and Deathrite ban. And then I played a Rug Delver after the Renesix ban <laughs> in another final. So those kind of metas, I really like that when, when people are trying everything and you can sort of uh, brew a little bit and the uh, deck lists are not set. And I, I really like that kind of meta. And I also am a big fan of playing Delver when Delver is not obviously the best deck. I, I think maybe it's still the best deck deck after this banning. But I think there is some space to try different variants of Delver and I'm really looking forward to doing that. And then I may not play so much Delver when it sort of settles. Yeah, that's uh, super interesting. Um, what about you, Victor? What are you looking at? I mean, to be honest, I'm not looking at really creating anything new, but what I want to probably do is to play decks that I have that I haven't been playing a lot because they just haven't really felt right in, in the current metagame. A deck like uh, Green White Maverick, for example, has just felt not super strong for the past six months, nor has a deck like, um, you know, Eldrazi Stompy has also sort of been very vacant from, it's been very, very absent from current uh, current play. And when I've tried them out, it just hasn't really felt good. Then again, I haven't put that many games under my belt with these decks, for example, to sort of say, well, these decks do not thrive in a Ragavan-specific meta because Ragavan is around with that type of deck and then there's other decks around that wants to beat up on that deck and that has been a disadvantage for, say, Maverick or Eldrazi. I don't know if that's true or not, but regardless of that, I will now give these, I think, these decks uh, a spin again because I like their sort of playstyle. I enjoy the way they want to win and see if I can't make that work again. But other than that, I think, I mean, one, one, one thing I'm, I'm sort of 
predicting or not predicting but might see ahead of me is that i can see how more people would want to pick up rug delver now because uh, it's a fun deck and it becomes more logic and dragon rage channeler uh, is a great engine for the deck and so on and i think those decks tend to play tad more uh, sort of high density of counter magic uh, compared to what blue red delver is currently doing and that sort of makes reanimator probably worse or less playable for a while. I remember in the Brennan 6 era when sort of you really could not play Reanimator because everyone was playing sort of, you know, Spell Pierce main deck and stuff. It was just completely horrendous. So uh, I might need to put Gresselbrand on the shelf for a while if that comes to pass. What about you, Christopher? How is your brew pot stirring? So first of all, I'm looking at the, the oldies and goldies that I think actually benefits a lot from this and one of those decks are Adnosium Tendrils which I think is like it does have some some benefits of having the Ragavan ban you know you're not as scared of them hitting Tendrils you're not dead if they get a Fotsis <laughs> because it's one of those you know critical mass decks where if they hit the Fotsis when you have almost set up and they just take your tutor or something like that, you don't know how many turns you you might lose to something like that. I really enjoyed playing it recently. Um, so it's one of those decks that I will definitely try out uh, in this new meta. And I also think like Doomsday might be a really big winner of this. I, I still think that Delver will be extremely good against Doomsday, but not having the fear of getting oracle sweeped from a ragavan or just you know them resolving an 8-8 after you have fought some battles over other spells it really makes you know resolving a doomsday a liability because if they have any interaction that hinders you from winning on the spot you're dead on one swing so i definitely think that doomsday is also coming out hot from this ban but like victor said uh, the first thing that i thought about when when I saw this ban was, oh man, I'm going to sleeve up Canadian. And I'm bringing the Stifles, I'm bringing the DRCs, and I'm playing the Mongoose. Um, because I, I really think that DRC and Mongoose is just an incredibly annoying engine, which comes online extremely fast in a deck like this. I think straight up blue-red might still be stronger. <laughs> but... You know, it's a certain feeling when you get to stifle a fetch and wasteland your opponent out of mana. It's just like the best time. Oof. You're like, yeah, this is the best time. This is so great. I'm like, oh, you're you're evil. This is horrible. But then, of course, I remind myself what I usually do to people. So I'm not gonna. I'm gonna hold my tongue. I think one thing that you are talking about there, Christopher, is like. Ragavan was creating such urgency within a control deck. Like, if Ragavan hits the table, you need to find removal immediately, or you can get snowballed from that from that single creature. And I think that when Delver doesn't really have that really urgent threat in the early game, the control decks can trim down a little bit on uh, on the early interactions. 
and maybe go a little bit in, into the late game with more planeswalkers and that kind of stuff that been i mean teferi for instance has been deemed not very good against the ragavan but maybe teferi can come back in so i think uh, we'll see a little bit more walkers and in that meta i think a stifle and really low to the ground deck can be really good when your opponent is trying to resolve these like big mana plays you want to stifle you want to daze and you want to like spell pierce them so that I really enjoy that kind of deck, and I think it it will definitely have a place, especially in the beginning of the meta when it's not really settled. Yeah, for sure. And like like one of the cards that I mentioned, uh, I think in that meta, a card like Nimble Mongoose can really do something to a lot of those decks. Uh, you know, a lot of them have been playing the playset swords, the plowshares, some prismatic endings, and you know, Teferi, Jace Bounce. All of those cards, like nothing works on the mongoose. It's it's uh, it's getting in, and then you just need to stifle and counter everything that deals with it. And sure, Uro is the biggest pain, but that's where you go over the top and still play Merktide in a deck like that. It's a bit nambo with uh, DRC and mongoose, but if Blue Red Delver could do it, I think this deck can do it as well. I would look out for Endurance as well, which is a card that that will <laughs> that ruin Among Us <laughs> days. But uh, and and, uh, and, uh, and Goyf, if you're playing that, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to play a lot of Endurance. I think. <laughs> yeah, but it's also like Endurance almost feels like not a sleeper card because it's obviously recognized as a good card all through, but it has sort of not been really impressive compared to a card like Ragavan, which is just obviously super powerful. And I, I would take that as sort of a um, a proxy, if you will, for sort of taking a look again at sets like Kaldheim, Crimson Vow, see if there are any cards that have come out in the past 12 months that we just haven't been looking at because there just has been so many other way more powerful things to do i don't think it's perhaps a treasured throw of hidden gems for legacy but i mean i'm just saying there might actually be time to re-explore ground that we've passed through because now we have different circumstances and might want to make other choices than we have previously true true yeah for sure so yeah I, i'm really interested in seeing like uh, how the meta will if it will change much because uh, I, I do believe that Blue-Red losing their earliest Snowball card is going to affect the deck. I mean, sure, Expressive Iteration is insanely good in that deck, but if you're not getting you know treasure tokens, you're guaranteed to cost things that you iterate. The iterations might have to wait a turn, and uh, it makes uh, your daces worse. It makes a lot of things more awkward, which... Like playing days uh, when you have resolved the Ragavan is, uh, you know, mana neutral, which is uh, one of the things that I really disliked about the card because days is supposed to be a real cost and it's supposed to sting a bit when you days. But whenever you got to days, the swords to plowshares or ending pointing at Ragavan, you just felt like a million bucks, like you just won the game pretty much. And uh, not, that's not true, but it's extremely annoying, especially if like the first connect hits a ponder or something like that. It's just uh, really annoying. But from the decks that I play a lot, 
the biggest thing that I'm going to look at is Aloran. Because I'm not really sure if I'm going to keep on playing the Yurian build in this meta. It depends a bit on how it shakes out. But I'm definitely keeping the white. So we'll see where that goes. But I think there's a lot of a lot of interesting things that's going to happen. We talked about Fotsis and Hymdex, uh, like discard decks. I do still believe that the ban only hitting Ragavan is uh, still a bad omen for all those uh, Grixis players out there who was uh, hoping to get an edge because Uro is still in the meta and I think it will be for quite a while. And the blue soup decks like the Yorian, like the blue Zenith decks or whatever they're called, I think that the, the hardest thing for... Uh, Wizards of the Coast, if they're looking at the meta and if they see that the blue soup decks are doing really good, like, what is the card to get rid of? Is it Uro? Is it Ending? Is it Free Fairy? It's extremely tricky. Like, I would just say, like, it's probably Ending because of, you know, how it affects Vile, how it's like a catch-all, which uh, restricts a lot of deck building. But Uro is is not a non-problematic card either. And I played I, I play a lot of Uro and I played plenty of Oko. Both of those cards do really bad things for certain control decks that wants to come from a certain angle of attack. You know, the the Simic cards have been really powerful <laughs> of late. And I do think that uh, this ban is a good start. But it's uh, for all archetypes that people hold near and dear. Uh, it might, they might still have to wait or try and adapt. Like, how can you, perhaps as a Grixis player, tune your deck to beat Uro better, or still have a good plan against all of the other decks that uh, benefit from this? So yeah, it's gonna be super interesting to see where this goes. No, I agree, Uro specifically is a very powerful magic card a very very powerful creature that we perhaps might see as you say we might come to realize that uro's existence hampers other deck choices in ways perhaps not equally but perhaps similar to what ragaba nimble pilfer has been doing because you have this extremely powerful comeback turnaround winning creature that just does uh, there are for many decks really no efficient ways of removing it uh, other than perhaps swords to plushers but then of course if you play blue soup you have ways to interact with that as well you have four copies also a lot of times of uro this it's, is true it's super tricky and i i think if you're looking at some of the decks that we have seen like the the blue soup with iteration i think the only the only way for them to win in a game one is winning with uro order one of jace Sometimes they play an endurance in there, but if if your deck is allowed to do stuff like that, um, there there might be a component in there which is not super healthy. But yeah, I, I'm definitely excited about this, and I think that we will see a lot of resurgence of you know different takes on Delver. I do I do still believe that blue red will be the most popular choice because in uh, <laughs> it's not unrealistic that people will just take out the Ragavans and put in their Delvers again if they had cut those. Maybe if they still were playing a mix of Delvers and Ragavans, maybe just putting in some young Pyromancers or stuff like that. So I do think that Blue-Red is still an extremely powerful choice. I think 
it will still be one of the best decks in the format. And for me personally, I do enjoy having a Delver deck as one of the premier decks in the format because I really do enjoy playing against tempo with almost whatever deck I'm playing. It's just the the Ragavan made a lot of those matches less interesting and felt more deterministic after two turns. So yeah, really happy with these changes. I'm just going to say for the record that I have never in my life cast the card Delver of Secrets. And uh, that is all we have for this week. We do hope you enjoyed this episode and would love your perspectives on these recent developments as well. Come join our Discord service and contribute. You can find the link in the episode information. If you like the podcast, feel free to let us know and even better, tell someone else or post a tweet to spread the word. Outside of Discord, you can also hit us up on Twitter uh, as well on the STHLM Legacy. Uh, we are also present personally on some social media. Robin where can our listeners find you? On Discord server or on Facebook. And you can find me on the Discord or at Twitter at MonolithMTG. I am also in Discord or at on Twitter under at Disco Drogo. And that is the end of the 34th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Robinson C. and Christopher Wikström. One thanks to you for listening. The great Frenes has written our music. You should check it out on Spotify. Until next time, stop hammer time.